0: GO, GIGO. It's an old computer term. It means garbage in, garbage out. And it says that even those wonderful machines can only work with what they're given. What comes out is no better than what went in. It is, I suppose, a variation on the old saying: you can't make a silk purse out of a sow's ear. Geigo is a concern that goes beyond computers. Every parent knows how often we have struggled with the kind of stuff that goes into our kids' heads. If all that goes in is garbage, how can anything else come out? The problem is, the older they get, the wider the discrepancy between their definition of garbage and ours. Pharisees and Jesus are caught in that kind of a discussion Israel prided itself on being a nation that didn't put garbage into their lives. They knew themselves to be called a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. It's what they're called standing at the foot of that mountain when Moses brings down the tablets. A kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And they worked hard to live in a way that demonstrated that holy calling to the world around them. They needed to live in a way that was demonstrably different from the other folk in the world around them. Other f- Israel was, you know, just a small outpost in a great Roman Empire, and they tried really hard to hang on to their own sense of who they are. It was in constant danger of being swallowed up politically, culturally, religiously. And so it was really important to maintain a way of life that showed that they were different and who they were. So the Pharisees became the guardians of the tradition. They took on themselves the burden of living by the rules. They watched to see that others did the same. And part of that really was very healthy religious devotion. And part of it was the need to define the community. What is Israel? Well, we are the people who live like this. We live by God's rules. That's who we are. Well, if you think that kind of mindset stopped 2,000 years ago, look around today. Don't Christians tend to fall into the same trap? If someone asked you, what difference does it make that you're a Christian? We might answer, well, you know, Christians live in a particular way. But what does that mean? How do we define that way? as we live in an increasingly pluralistic and secular world, how do we maintain some identity that sets us apart from other folk? You see, our problem is not so different from that of little Israel. Now, if you're what some folk call conservative, then you'll say, well, we're opposed to abortion and divorce. We, commend, we condemn homosexuality and all the sexuality outside of marriage. We believe prayer should be returned to the public schools. We want to get the garbage that's on television in the trash can where it belongs. You can add your own pieces to the list. And while individual lists may vary, say Christian. And for a lot of people who aren't or who are very nominal, that's kind of the definition that they have, it's very identifiable. But on the other side are what we call the liberal or progressive Christians, and we are concerned for issues of peace and justice. We work for civil rights for blacks and women, for gay, lesbian, and transgender folk. We march for women's rights and other noble causes. Once again, it's a very consistent and identifiable list. And they're not at all similar. They really aren't. And both sides are sure that they have the Christian agenda. I'm struck by the experience of my former seminary assistant who came from his Southern Baptist tradition to go to Union Theological Seminary in New York. He was (laughs) trying, yeah, what a change. He was trying to escape that old rigidity, only to find himself in an equally rigid liberal setting. You know, both had their vocabulary, and you had to use it and use it the right way. Both had their righteous agenda. Both distrusted anybody who was outside their group. And both condemned those who dared to question You know, liberal or conservative, it is so easy to fall into that same trap as the Pharisees. We set the rules. They tell us who we are. They tell us how to do things. And so it's very easy to become rigid, suspicious, judgmental, and exclusionary. And then along comes Jesus. Wonderful article in Christian Century some years ago where... Joy Jordan Lake plays with what what would she serve if Jesus decided to come to dinner? You know, he's, after all, the Savior, so she should use the best china and the fine crystal. But being Jesus, maybe he'd say, well, you should sell that and money given to the poor. And, of course, he's likely to bring a crowd with him, but none of them are going to help because they're all so busy listening to Jesus. On it goes as she plays with this and that. Finally, she decides to serve peanut butter on her good china and French wine and paper cups. <laughs> but she then goes on to say, if I could screw up the courage, I'd tell Jesus the truth. He makes me nervous. And I'm not sure what he expects from me. And that it might occur to me to apologize for not inviting to dinner everybody who wanted to come. Well, in the midst of the humor, she has caught that essential quality of Jesus who's always burst free of our definitions and our expectations. That's the very quality that just absolutely infuriated the Pharisees. He broke all their rules. He destroyed their carefully constructed image of holy Israel. They criticize him for garbage in, garbage out. And he says, well, who cares? Garbage goes where it needs to. What really matters are matters of the heart. What really matters are matters of the heart. It's what comes out of a person that defiles. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within And they defile a person. And suddenly all the rules about how you define the community are changed. I mean, look at the list. All the things that Jesus names have two things in common. First, they're things that break the relationship between two people. Jesus isn't worried about rules, but about the way we treat each other. How do we treat other people? And he's concerned about whether we hurt or betray or belittle one another. Second, all the things on Jesus' list demonstrate that we've put ourselves first. And that always skews a relationship, doesn't it? If I'm worried about me, my desires, my wants, my place in the world, then there's very little left to worry about you. You're simply there to serve my ends. And when I treat you like that, garbage doesn't go out. The garbage stays in. And I'm the one who's defiled, not you. The kind of garbage does indeed need to go out, and Jesus is really pretty blunt about where it needs to go. But we need to get it out of our system. Here Jesus warns of the things that hurt the community. And so many other places he talks about the things that build community. He talks about love for one another. He talks about forgiveness and kindness. we all ought to carry one of those little backpack tags. Even more, he talks about commitment to a common cause because that, after all, above all else, is how Christians are defined. Our commitment is to Jesus Christ, a commitment that risks everything for the sake of our Lord And that's all the identity that we really need. And yes, Jesus, you do make me nervous. I can't put following you into simple rules of do and don't. I can't fit you into neat, tidy little categories. I can't always predict where it is you're going to take me. It would be a lot easier to be part of a community that draws tidy, neat lines. Sometimes I want to hear someone say, well, this makes you one of us, and that doesn't. All I know is that you, Jesus, take the garbage that comes into my life, and you turn it into something very different. And if I'm sometimes scared, if I'm sometimes uncertain, nevertheless, I love the wild freedom that you live and which you dare me to share. Thanks be to God. Amen.